Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the very first episode of Crime Curious. We're so excited to be launching. I'm Charnel. And I am Amber. And today's case focuses on the amazing survival story of Mary Bell Vincent. I did countless hours of research on this case to give you as much detail as possible. And as we will do for any case that we present, I'll not only give verbal shout outs to our sources, but they're also going to be linked in our show notes. So if there's anything that you are curious to read more about, check those out because the links will be there. A lot of today's nitty gritty comes to us from a great book that I read by Fred Rosen called The Mad Chopper. This will also be linked in the show notes too, but you should check it out. It was a really good book. Ready to just jump right in, Miss Amber? Yes. I know very little about this case, so I'm excited to well, I, I don't know if excited's the right word. I feel I funny saying that because it does make us sound like terrible human beings. I think all of our listeners are as curious about true crime as we are, and it's important to tell victim stories. Yes. So, so I'm open to the knowledge. I yes. think that's oh, I the, like that the information. Right. So right. I'm open. Well, and this one is not so bad because it's a survivor story. I mean, a lot of the other cases we're going to present will not have the same type of ending. You know, at least there's that. So. Yeah, I feel like this one is unique in that sense mm-hmm. that, I mean, I do know there's a survivor. I, I'm curious to hear the details about that. I've got them. All right, so well, let's strap in. Let's hear them. All right. This case actually takes us back to 1978. Technically, it does not take me back to 1978 because I was not born yet. Yep, we were not alive we, we were not. I was half with my mom, half with my dad <laughs> at that point in time. Some of our listeners maybe were alive yes. and kicking in 78. Mary Vincent was, and she's actually one of seven children. Her birth order is somewhere in the middle of that. She was described in a lot of resources that I read as being kind of a wild, free-spirited, teenage girl. You know, I'm just really trying, like picturing a teenager in the 70s and very stereotypically a free bird. Yes, you know? yes. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. She's got flowers in her hair. I don't know. That's really what I was know. picturing, like with the flowers. Yeah. I think that I don't was like. That is. Mary could possibly be listening to this and be like, bitches, I did not have not flowers in my hair. <laughs> right. So, sorry, Mary, if that's the truth. September 26th, 1978, 15 year old Mary Vincent was hitchhiking from around Las Vegas to her grandfather's home in Corona, California, which I decided to Google it. I was curious uh, what that would take like walking versus driving. So Google told me that if she had walked this distance, it would have taken her four days, but driving is about three hours. I'm starting to see the appeal. Really? (laughs) See the appeal of hitchhiking. hitchhiking. Plus, it's the 70s. Everyone hitchhiked. It was such a normal thing. Yeah. (sighs) I'm kind of curious about that. I know it was a thing. It was, you know, yeah. Like, you'd see it in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know it was more of a thing, but I'm curious, like, was it just a thing to do, like, a three-hour hitchhike? Like, no big deal? 
Or was that, I'm just kind of curious about that. No, from my understanding, it was like anywhere across country or even just across town. Okay. You just, you put your thumb out, whatever, hail, you know. That's a long hike for. Yeah, it seems like it, but. But it's the time, so. For sure. And my husband, who was alive in the 70s, and I do like to point that out (laughs) to him, that I was not and he was, he said that his stepdad and his mom would pick up hitchhikers all the time. And they would, you know, take them from place to place. He's like, it was so interesting. We'd hear their stories. Everyone was always really nice. Like, it was was a thing. It was no big deal. And if you think about it, we do use an app on our phone to call an Uber, Mm -hmm. which is essentially a perfect stranger in their own vehicle coming, like, to our house, to where we're at, whatever, our place of work, and take us around. You know, it is kind of like the modern day hitchhiking. It is. That is what Uber is. But and you pay now. So you do, right. It's I mean, acceptable. you do pay. I bet, that, I bet some people threw other people gas money in the 70s. Oh, probably. You know what I mean? It's really no different. And fun fact, I am planning on covering the Uber case about an um, Uber driver that yes, yeah, went that a little bit cray-cray and yes. killed people. Stay tuned for that because I am actively working on that case right now. So anyway, sorry, we digressed there a little bit. But I just, I found a lot of sources that were kind of blaming Mary in a way for her hitchhiking. And I just want to point out that stop because this was a very normal mode of transportation mm-hmm. at that time. So mm-hmm. like, don't be a dick. The biggest thing, though, for Mary, she was actually hitchhiking because she was running away from home at the time. She was struggling with her parents' divorce. Her parents actually lived in two separate places. And, you know, 15 is a confusing enough time then have to go through a, a difficult parent divorce. She was struggling a bit. The thing is, though, she was not traveling alone. She was traveling with two other girls. When they're walking along, apparently it was a very hot day, a blue van pulled up. Now, this blue van was driven by 51-year-old Lawrence Bernard Singleton. And a lot of articles say at this time in his life, he went by Larry. And then later in part two, because there is a part two to this, as you'll see, I'll get on with it later. But he then goes by Bill. I will probably mostly refer to him by like Shitstein or something like that. Because I feel like he doesn't deserve a cute nickname like Larry or Bill or Billy. I have a relative near, named Larry that I adore, and I, it just yeah, grosses me out that he's associate like, yeah, I go by Larry, man. you know. I'm curious where Bill came from. I mean, I have questions, but. Well, I don't know. Lawrence? Larry? I'm not sure. Like, I, I, was, get, I get Larry, but it's like, well, I'm just, I think Bill is more appropriate. I don't Makes no sense. For sure. And I don't know, maybe, uh, is it from the Bernard? I actually had an Uncle Bernard, too, so we never called him Bill. Maybe you guys know, is is Bill a common nickname for the name Lawrence? Because I might be too young. I actually like being able to say that statement. I might be too young to understand (laughs) that. It's a good thing to say. Yeah, I don't get to say it very often. He worked... Sorry, I clapped, and I know you guys just heard that, too. It's This is our pilot episode, guys. Bear Mistakes with us, will, will you? It's okay. We will learn and get better, we promise. Larry worked as a merchant seaman, but he'd recently been divorced for the second time and had no real direction in life. He no longer did that job. But the reason that I mention it is because later on, he totally tries to justify things that he does because he's a... Because he's se- a seaman. Because he's a seaman. Like, don't give seaman a bad name, Larry. Okay? They do good things. Right. <laughs> so, reports said that Singleton was wearing overalls. He was 51, which... Put yourself in the mode of a 15-year-old. That practically made him elderly in her eyes. Yeah. And I am sorry, by the way, 
for anyone that I thought was old when they were 50 because it's not so old anymore. No, the closer I get to 40, the more that 50 is looking super young. And 40 is practically 20. I, I mean, agree. I'm, come on. I'm approaching it as well. Yeah. It's not so old anymore. No, no, definitely not. And a, a lot of the reports had just said that, you know, Mary felt like he looked trustworthy, and I can completely see it. I mean, nothing suspicious about overalls. Yeah. A van, an older dude. Overalls are like a older guy's best friend. Right. Aren't those like like. a papa? Like, oh, my papa wears overalls. So, mm -hmm. yeah, feeling of comfort there. However, I think we can all agree that people are dicks at all ages of life. Don't trust anyone. Just like if there's anything that you get from a true crime podcast, it is do not trust anyone. Absolutely. Even a papa looking dude in a blue van wearing overalls. I literally have about seven and a half people in my life that I trust, and that's only because I have a litter of children, so they're in there. <laughs> but once we cover those whole teenagers that kill their parents stuff, a couple that's, of mine might not make yeah. the list anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Starting to get a little questionable. Mm-hmm. Yep, just just a little bit. So those are sketchy as hell. I think it goes to say there's no profile for a killer. There really, there's no specific no. look. No. You know, many of them that we'll talk about look completely normal, completely trustworthy. For sure. And I know we like to be suspicious of mustaches, but there's really not any correlation. And maybe to 70s porn, but that is it. (laughs) They really don't make someone a murderer. I, I, I do question a big, a thick mustache myself so true story today when i was working on another case they described the person as having a large mustachio and now that's all i want to say about that's that just fun, that I, just fun to be to like, say. I have a friend who refuses actually his whole life he has wore a mustache and now i just want to be like hey your mustachio is looking great today you I'm should just, say I that. i just really love it more on that because we'll bring that, yeah, that dude's but- coming up in a couple of cases with the large <laughs> mustachio Anyway, so here's the thing. Singleton, when he pulled up in this blue van for Mary, so there's technically three girls there, all hitchhiking and looking for a ride, right? Mm-hmm. Singleton claimed that he only had room for one person, despite the van being empty. So, <sighs> red flags popping for me. Red but flags, the girls, yes. I, I don't know, I mean... I know, 15, right? I just want to be like, for me, I I want to say that I would say, dude, this van fits more butts and why can't my friends come with me? Who the hell knows? I've never been in that situation. I don't know what I would have said. And and it was a hot day and she was tired. So by all accounts, she's just like, dude, whatever, fine. Now, there are reports that say these two girls were like, "Eh, this doesn't seem right. Hey, Mary, why don't you hang back with us and not go with overall dude Mm -hmm. in the blue van? Mary just got in, you know, she got in the van anyway. The other red flag for me is that Singleton admitted that he was not going her way, but he'd be more than happy to go out of his way to take her. Like, how chivalrous of you. Yeah, that's a little, and it's so hard to say, you know, oh, I would, I would do this and Right, because we really don't. We really don't know. Right, and, and now we have a worldview of trust no one. Yes. but when you're 15, may this, not be thinking that far. No, ahead. no, exactly. And this Papa-looking motherfucker looks like a great time because he's got an air-conditioned van. Like whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's it's hot, and she's got a four-day walk ahead of her. But I do want to point out too that Singleton had a teenage daughter himself at this time that he wasn't on good terms with. He also had a significant history with alcohol use. So I think there's definitely some psychopathy with him, with what he ends up doing with Mary, that I wonder, I speculate, if if part of it 
was because of the tumultuous relationship that he had with his own daughter, but we'll get around to all that. Either way, he's a misogynistic asshole. At the beginning of the ride, it was uneventful. They planned the route that she wanted to go. She wanted Interstate 5 towards Los Angeles. That's what she was planning on doing. Now, Los Angeles and Corona, California are a little bit away from each other, but they agreed on Basically, he would drop her off in Los Angeles, and then she would either walk the rest of the way, call her grandpa, or hitch you know another ride all the way to Corona. That so that that was the plan. He was actually headed towards a different um, area, which I can't remember now where it was, but I do think I make note of it later on. Now, according to Chilling Crimes, the two even stopped at Singleton's house in San pa- in San Pablo for him to get something. Now, I couldn't confirm this from other sources, and I couldn't find what he got. Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that it was not the murder weapon that he ended up... Okay, he doesn't murder her, but he attempts to anyway. Using on on her later, I just found it... I found it kind of strange that I couldn't find that in other areas, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't true. There was also a small situation throughout the ride where Mary sneezed. And he immediately reached over and touched her neck. Like, oh, baby girl, are you okay? Are you feeling sick? Is everything okay? Yeah, like swooping in the comfort. Yeah. And that freaked her out. Rightfully so. Like, she got the right red flag for that. Because, I mean, it's just dust in her nose. Like, people sneeze for all different reasons. Why are you touching me? Yeah. Don't touch me. And also, why on the neck? If you're going to check and see if I have a temperature, touch my forehead. Why yeah, are you touching my neck? crossing so, the line with a complete, you know, it's a teenage girl. Yeah, things yeah. are starting to get suspicious. Right. For sure. Now, good on Mary because when she she decided to start taking note, like that freaked her out a little bit. So she started to take note about what was around her, which is important for later on. She started to feel relaxed enough at this point that she fell asleep for a little while. And I know what we're all thinking. No, never fall asleep. But honestly... If they did go to his house and he didn't attack her at his own house where he could have hid her, essentially, Mm -hmm. she's probably feeling pretty safe at this point. You know, I mean, that was like the prime time to do Mm -hmm. something to her at his own home, and he didn't. I can maybe see why she... We we don't victim shame here anyway, so it is what it is. She got tired and fell asleep. So when she woke up, though, she realized that they were, in fact, not heading to the interstate. I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm pretty shook right now. That just surprises me. You mean good old Larry Bilbob was not actually taking her where she wanted to go? Mary immediately picks up this pointed surveyor stick that she had noticed earlier during the sneezing episode was next to her. And she points the surveyor stick at him, was very angry, demanded that he turned around, you know, pointed out, like, this was not, we're not going the direction that you said that we, Uh you know, would, all of those things. And he says, and I quote, this is also from article that I mentioned earlier. I'm just an honest man who made an honest mistake. And then he turned the van around. After a while, he stopped the van claiming that he needed to piss. That was also a direct quote. You know, likely story, Larry, likely story. So Mary decides she's going to get out. She's going to stretch her legs too while he's going and relieving himself. She noticed her shoes were untied, so she bent down, and this is when Singleton came up behind her. Now, trigger warning, guys, we're about to get into some gruesome details about his crimes. Uh, It does include some gruesome mutilation and some rape and whatnot, so if that's not your thing, just skip ahead. 
a few seconds here and come back to the story. Singleton came up behind her and struck her in the head and the back with a hammer. Some sources said a sledgehammer and some said a regular hammer. Either way, you guys, it fucking hurt. Yeah, still terrible. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why we have to make waves about which one it was, but it hurt. Just a quick question. Does it mention, were they at like a gas station or somewhere there no. there could be people or was it like an isolated? Nope. So they're on a highway. If you can kind of picture more of a remote type highway out in California and he just pulls off to the side of the road. Okay. So there's mm-hmm. nobody around. There's no, no. By. I mean, gotcha. technically there could have been passerbys. From what you'll hear in just a minute, I don't think that it was very well populated. Okay. So after he brutalizes her in the head with a hammer... He then forced her to perform fellatio and said crude-ass words like, you better suck hard, bitch, and threatened to kill her if she didn't. He's such a piece of shit. Right? So next, he ties her arms behind her back and throws her into the van and then rapes her. So obviously we're seeing why he wasn't going to allow any other women or people in that van. He had this planned, I think, from the very beginning when he picked her up. After forcing his nasty overall-wearing ass on her. He drove actually drove Mary a little bit farther down the highway and stopped at this big canyon. When he stops, he rapes her again, and as if that's not horrific enough, he also sodomizes her as well. <sighs> Throughout this, Mary is begging him to set her free, which is an important detail for later. He forced her to drink an unknown fluid, which was likely alcohol, but it's really not clear. There there wasn't any test done to know exactly. Either what whatever it was, and he was severe alcoholic so more than so likely it, could have been. it was alcohol and whatever it was it did cause her to pass out and to feel woozy when she came to but when she came to she was being drugged from the van from what i understand from the reports that i've read in the book that i read like it was she, she was being drugged towards the canyon from the van and this mucus plug of the earth tells mary you want to be free i'll set you free so then he cut the rope from her hands And then he proceeds to cut off her left arm below the elbow in three swings. It's such a brutal, just horrific. an unnecessary brutality, right? Like, what? So then he grabs a hold of her, holds her down, and cuts her right arm off. Because one arm is not enough. We have to go ahead and just do the whole damn thing. So he'd say later that he did this as a way to prevent the police from identifying her body. Okay, genius. What about dental dental records? So I don't I don't think that that was it at all. I think he was just being a huge, just brutal, freaking fungus infection. He's just a violent man. I do want to put mention this gory detail because I feel like it really speaks to what kind of fighter Mary is. After her first arm was was cut off, and of course she's in shock and not really oh, ascertaining absolutely. what's happening. She's I mean she's fully alert. She can feel all this. But when he goes, she recalled this when he cut off her second arm. Mary recalled seeing him shake his like side of his body and his arm in disgust and realized her own arm was still attached to his body, even after he severed it off. And so she was he was shaking it off like he was grossed out by it. Like, oh you have gosh. the fucking right to be grossed out by that. You just did this to her. Yeah, I'm cutting your arms off, but... But, oh my god, don't touch they, me. They touched me. Yes, exactly. Oh, I just... that is just so messed up. It is, and I know it's a gory detail, and I'm so sorry that Mary remembers it and was aware through all of that. At the same time, there's some symbolism there. You know, I'm gonna hang on, motherfucker. Yeah. 
She's definitely a fighter. Next, he pushed Mary. Remember I said they were at a canyon? Yes. He pushed Mary down a 30-foot embankment at the Del Porto Canyon, and he stuffed her into a concrete culvert, which for us and a lot of our listeners, they might understand more. It's like a drainage pipe, a concrete drainage pipe. Okay. He left her for dead. And the whole time, he was screaming at her that she was, quote, free now. There, you're free now. Because remember, she was begging Mm -hmm. for him to just set her free. Yeah. There are just not enough bad words to describe this dude. And he's just thinking she's going to die there. Yes. He's put her there and that she's just going to die. Absolutely. Bleed out. Yeah. And not live to tell the tale. And he's going to get away scot-free. But Mary wasn't dead. She kept telling herself that she needed to stay awake and to get help or he would do this to someone else. Can you freaking imagine in that moment not being all about yourself? I can't imagine being like, I have to live because he's going to carry on and do this again. Yeah. I, I just, I to have those sensibilities about you. And she kept telling herself she had to stay awake. The alcohol was in her body, or what we likely think is alcohol, was mm-hmm. in her body. Of course, she's lost a tremendous amount of blood. She's in shock. Her body is going through all kinds of things. And she's telling herself, I can't fall asleep. I have to do this because he's going to do this to someone else. Mary is on a different level. Mary's a badass. She absolutely she is. She is a badass. I make no qualms about it, you guys. I think I would have laid there and died. I don't know that. I mean, it's so hard to say what you would do, but the shock, the trauma, I'm not sure that I would have had the will to fight my way out Especially of that. Especially with don't all know. that going through and you're feeling so tired. I mean, I have a hard time staying awake sometimes when I'm trying to watch one of my favorite programs. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I just, you never know if you're capable of fighting freeze. No. Instinct is going to kick in. Even though she was in unimaginable pain. She actually packed her severed arms with mud to stop the bleeding because she's in a drainage pipe, right? So she's got an excess amount of, of mud. From what I understand, the wounds are just below her elbow. Mm-hmm. So she has a little bit of arm to move, but it's not like she's got a lot of experience with this plus the excruciating pain. So she figures out just that quickly how to maneuver to, yeah, and, maneuver yeah. it to pack it to stop the bleeding as much as possible. That would have been, I, I would imagine, so painful in itself to For put sure. the mud into those open wounds. Right. <sighs> While they're bleeding and watching them bleed. Yeah. And- so I, I just can't imagine the trauma. No. And the, the fact that she thought to do that even, like, oh, I need to stop the bleeding. Right. I don't know that everybody would have the capacity to do that. No, no. It's it's a badass move. That's for sure. Then, as if she's not badass enough, she then climbs back up the 30-foot canyon, which took her all day to do. Oh, my gosh. I just, di- just digest that for a second. The fact that she has no arms. The raping went on for quite some time. It's not like the dude just did it a couple of times and then he was done and moved on. Yeah. This this went on for several hours. So her body is completely traumatized yes. right now. And plus the head injury that she had. Yeah, right. From the hammer slash yes. sledgehammer injury. Yeah. Oh, 100%. She's getting herself up this back up this canyon. She can hear cars on the highway. For her, that goal was get to those cars get to yes. do where the people are. And she followed the sounds. And then once she reached it, now you have to kind of realize this. she reached the canyon and she's on this, at this highway, but she's fully naked. She's bloody. She's got mud all over her. She just looks like a mess. 
you know, in general. So the first car that came upon her actually sped away. And she said later in an interview that she doesn't blame them, that she might have done the same thing because you don't know if what caused that situation was still following her or if it was a trick, you know, just a ploy to get someone to stop so that they can hijack your car or whatever. She doesn't blame them. I can't say that I wouldn't be scared shitless if I saw that. I, I, not knowing what happened, where she's coming from, why she's naked in the road. I mean, I, I get it why somebody wouldn't stop. I mean, it's, it's, it's very sad that they didn't. I also get, okay, there's this person. Right. Traumatized, covered in mud, naked. Right. Is this real? I think your own brain would have a hard time comprehending whether or not that was real. If you were really seeing that correctly. I'm not going to lie. If I had my kids in the car, I'm certainly not stopping. There's no way. But this day and age, we have cell phones. I'll totally call for help. Like, hey, guys, you might want to check on this woman that may or may not be back Right, you can call from, there. A, from a distance yeah. or as you're but seeing I'm not, it. But I'm then. not stopping. And I, I mean, sorry. That may say something about me. She had to walk, you guys, another three freaking miles before another car came up. So you know the question that you asked earlier about, like, were there people around? Uh That's why I think that it was maybe not a heavily trafficked highway so much because she could walk three miles before another vehicle actually came. If she had to go that far, there's probably not a lot of Right. But there's frequent enough people that she could hear throughout the day. She could hear cars coming from there. The couple that ended up stopping for her were on their honeymoon. They wrap her up in blankets right away. According to the LA Times, a court document revealed that the couple described when they found Mary, she was holding her arms up so that the muscles and blood would not fall out. (sighs) To have the wherewithal to keep your arms elevated, to stop that, and I don't know, it's possible that maybe it, it gave some pain relief to do that too, I'm not sure. But you guys, to have those sensibilities is really impressive to me. I have a 15 year old who just last week thought it was a great idea to snowboard in muck boots because the ski resort was that he was at, well, not resort, the ski place, whatever, that he was at were out of boot rentals. So he's like, meh, I got, I got this. It. Muck boots, right? Yeah, Same let me get thing. The muck boots. Yeah, no, we are nursing a torn meniscus right in the middle of basketball season now because so it ended of badly. His, oh, absolutely. Of course it did. <laughs> of course it did. The fact that this 15-year-old is like, hey, you know what? I better keep my arms elevated while I walk three miles. Oh, this poor girl. You and know? It makes me wonder now that I'm hearing it, what she had been through in life in general to have these skills to these survival skills. Excellent point. You know, and I don't know, she's a fighter and she's strong. And, you know, I can't imagine having to even think about all of that stuff. The first thing and really the biggest thing that she kept saying to this couple was not about her arms. She just kept saying, he raped me. He raped me, which I think speaks volumes to what an invasion sexual abuse is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, here she is with her arms cut off, and it's very obvious that her arms are cut off. The only thing that she is focusing on and that she can say was that he raped her. Mm -hmm. That was profound to me. Mm -hmm. So this couple actually drove her to an airport because that's the first place that they could get locate a phone. Mm -hmm. And then the police, an ambulance comes, they take her to the hospital. From her hospital bed, she was coherent enough to give the police a very detailed description of him. 
so detailed that they came up with a composite sketch that was very, very similar to old bulbous nose. I'll post pictures on our Instagram and our Facebook page if you want to follow those of Singleton. Yeah, I haven't seen him yet, so oh, he even myself is I... a bulbous nose, ugly motherfucker. I'm sorry, you had to rape women because there probably weren't enough that would be willing to give you the time of day. Of course, I'm saying that because I know what he did. Right? No, not not good looking in in any way. She was able to. Describe him to a T, which was wonderful. And I love this detail. You know who ended up seeing the sketch and recognizing an old shit stain? Do tell. His neighbor and longtime friend, Joanne Eversole. So put yourself in Joanne's position. There you are sitting down to the evening news with your TV dinner and probably on a TV tray, and you see a sketch of your own neighbor that's wanted for the rape and mutilation of a teenage girl. Oh my gosh. Actually, Joanne was a housewife, so she probably had the news on in the background while she was doing some shitty-ass chore for her husband. It was nice to paint a picture of the TV tray and all that from the 70s. After they were able to identify him, you know, and Joanne did the right thing by calling the police and saying, hey, I recognize that guy. Singleton was arrested in Sparks, Nevada on October 9th, 1978. When they arrested this shit stain, he claimed that Mary was a $10 a night whore. Sir, no, you do not get to call her a whore. Stop it. What a massive piece of shit he, he was. And to make it even better. He claimed that there were two others in the van with him that night, even another guy named Larry. Now, isn't that convenient? Two Larrys. Of all the names in the 70s, there's going to be two Larrys in that little van. His claim is that if you found any evidence, it was the other other Larry. Larry. It was not him because he drank a whole, I think he had said a gallon. I don't know. It was ridiculous, but he had drank a whole bunch of alcohol and he was passed out and he didn't hear or see a thing. And isn't that just so convenient? Question. Mm-hmm. Were the police actually buying this story? Because I'm hearing it and I'm like, this is horrible. Oh, absolutely Like not. The, the effort no. to even... Mary surviving, pinpointing him right away, everything. And there was absolutely no indication that Mary had been a sex worker at any point in Mm -hmm. time. There was nothing to back up his story, his claims whatsoever. Those claims, his defense did not stand up in court in front of a grand jury. Mary went and testified like the badass bitch that she is and picked him out from a lineup of six other men in front of the grand jury as her attacker. I do want to point out, too, she has only ever referred to him as her attacker. She never calls him by name. Okay, so she never uses his his first name. Nope, she never gives him a name. I really wanted to just refer to him when I was writing this podcast. I'm like, I would love to just give her the honor of only referring to him as her attacker, but I just felt like it would be very confusing, and I didn't want to do that to our listeners. But just know that ran through my head of wouldn't it be great if we didn't give him a name either, but it'd also be too confusing. So that's why I went with... Calling I can him. see how that would, you know, and I don't know. I don't want to pretend that that I do. Just maybe separate or just to not give that person a, an identity after what she went through. Right, you know? exactly. According to Criminally Intrigued, Singleton later admitted that he whispered to Mary in the courtroom, quote, I'll finish this job if it takes me the rest of my life, end quote. This <sighs> led Mary to go pale and flee from the courtroom. How horrific. Ugh. 
I want to know. So no remorse. <laughs> no remorse for no. anything. No, 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 not at all. You guys don't know this about us yet, but Amber is a therapist. I have been a social worker for many years. I worked child protective services. I'm currently um, still in a role with the state that we live in as an investigator. We've testified numerous times in court. Yes. I want to know why the perpetrator was ever allowed to get that close to the victim. To be able to whisper something like that to her. It's just, and I get that it's a different time. Why was he ever allowed to get that close to her again? It makes me thankful that we've come a lot farther with recognizing trauma. Yeah. But to to be in that place, Mm -hmm. you know, at that time. Well, right. That's just it. I mean, the fact that she faced him again. And, you know, interesting fact that we'll see in some other cases, there are people that have gotten away with a lot of crimes simply because the victim could not go and testify in court. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that that's not necessarily something they have to do anymore mm-hmm. for different laws. Of course, I can only speak to our state. I agree with you. We've come a long way. On March 29th, 1979, a San Diego jury convicted Singleton of kidnapping, mayhem, attempted murder, forcible rape, sodomy, and forced oral copulation, aggravated mayhem, and the use of an axe to cause great bodily harm. The judge who delivered the, sen- the sentence said, and I quote, If I had the power, I would send you to prison for the rest of your natural life, end quote. This is an important note because all the court could give this shit stain is 14 years, Amber. I I can't. I have nothing. I'm I'm speechless. 14 years was the max sentence for this kind of crime in California at the time. Oh my god! Here's the real kick in the sack. Singleton only served eight of the 14 years. Uh-huh. Stop. He was released after eight years on, quote, good behavior. Gag me with a freaking wooden spoon. Good behavior. Must be there's not a plethora of 15-year-old girls to rape and sodomize in prison? I just cannot believe what the the severity of what he did. It was just so brutal. I mean, yeah. he intended for her yeah. to die. Eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is probably fine. Eight years. years. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine because he was a model citizen and he even helped teach other prisoners. Isn't that just so swell of him? How nice of you, Larry. He's a swell guy, that Larry. Fuck. Fuck you, Larry. For sure. (laughs) Seriously. If your name is Larry, you guys, and you're a good person, I am so sorry. Yeah, that's not meant for you. I really like that, but fuck this, Larry, man. Where is the justice? That is just so... Eight years. While he was serving his measly sentence in San Quentin, which, fun fact, by the way, is where Scott Peterson is currently serving his life sentence, Mm -hmm. uh, he was interviewed by a freelance writer named Amanda Spake. Because he reached out to her for an interview, which, bitch, please. Like, so he's wanting the publicity. For sure. Come, come hear my side of the story, Amanda. Come on. Come write about me. She did. She had this in her article. Quote, Singleton was convinced that the psychiatrists who were evaluating him had it all wrong. Prison psychiatric reports written at several points during the eight years that he ultimately served in San Quentin determined him to be a paranoid personality, severe schizoid, and capable of angry and destructive outbursts on those weaker than he, end quote. 
Okay, so that's a pretty strong diagnosis. He is not a good dude, and really he shouldn't be out. They had, like, the parole board had those reports. So that, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. with that type of evaluation, but it doesn't sound like that was considered for him being released. That No, no. And he gets to, you know, throw his own fruit in the pot, too, of what why he should be released. And I'm sure it was very similar to the sort of things that he tells this reporter's fake. So he, in his letter, he wrote to this woman, he said, quote, the shrinks did not understand the psychology of a semen such as he, end quote, and that he'd been threatened by the 15-year-old hitchhiker. She was a sex worker, which he was not using the word sex worker. He was using the derogatory word that I prefer not to use, who kidnapped him after he was nice enough to give her a ride Then she tried to maim and kill him. I quote, everything I did was for survival, end quote. He wanted everyone to understand that he was the victim, not the girl, but that he did not mean that that he didn't want everybody to think that he hated sex workers. Quote, sailors, end quote, he assured Spake, are, quote, never hostile to sex workers, end quote. Yeah, so he's basically like... I'm a yes, sailor, I'm a good I'm guy. I'm a sailor, so we like sex workers. We would never harm them. Stop giving sailors a bad name. Uh, like, this, you stop pretending like you are a seaman, sir. This guy is just, just horrible. And the fact that he was able to get out on good behavior when oh. it was indicated, hey, this guy, oh. he will reoffend. And don't you just love how he's the victim? And we're going to see this a lot, you guys. If you're a true crime fan like we are, just working with the type of population that Amber and I are used to working with, it is very common for the abuser to be the first to make the phone call to the police to claim that they're the victim. It's Mm -hmm. very, very common. So it does not surprise me that he is, oh, she forced me to kidnap her. Mm -hmm. She was holding a pointy stick to me and forced me to do all these horrible things and cut off her arms and rape her. It makes me curious, and maybe you'll get to it later on, but did he ever later on admit to what he did to her? Never. Or he maintained that victim? Uh, never. Okay. Yes. he. So there was yep. no remorse, no accountability, nothing ever. Never. And we'll get in part two to what happens with Roxanne Hayes, which is our, our, our part two about um, this particular murderer. He shows kind of like a fake remorse for that while simultaneously still maintaining that he was the victim in this case. Wow. Yeah, he never never leaves from that. The community was outraged, of course, and the state could not parole him in California because everyone protested his dangerous, ugly ass from coming into their community. Rightfully so. I mean, imagine, imagine the media covering this, and then eight years later, all of a sudden, this guy is free. It was only eight years. Everyone vividly remembers the horrific story of the 15-year-old girl who survived having her arms cut off. I would be terrified to know that someone that did this crime and how brutal it was and, and how horrible it was is now free. And eight oh, years... they were. Also, I want to mention, his own daughter called the prison and asked, how do we keep him there? She knew he was a dangerous man. She did not want him there. That was in an LA Times article. So at no point it was considered like maybe we shouldn't. No, Amber, he was teaching other prisoners. He was a good guy. 
Good old Larry was a good guy. Oh, come on. You're being too hard on him. That was sarcasm. And just in, in disbelief. Mm-hmm. Of all of it. For sure. So what he had to do, and I just think that this is really fucking hilarious, they had to actually parole him onto the grounds of San Quentin Prison in a trailer. He just lived in a trailer. So he got his own trailer on the property. Yep. yep. And that's where where he lived. Where the guards could just like, top of the morning to ya. Because the communities didn't want him. He literally had nowhere so to go. So not only did they let him free, but they provided him with housing as well. Right. Well, they had been for the last eight years. So it was just like, oh my God, we can't like, do anything this one's on with us. this. Right. Right. Yep. So... <laughs> Here you go. There's your trailer. Because he got one year probation. One freaking year where he couldn't leave the state. He's on probation. So, so it's like, like, let's get him a trailer. Yeah, there you go. You just live there. I know. I, I just find that. I need to my jaw up because right. I'm just, you know, I'm so thinking of go. all of the homeless people out there and <laughs> all of these people struggling. But Larry gets a trailer. Uh, the state pays for Larry to have a trailer. I'm, I'm sure it's not... You know, luxury, but it's oh, like no. But no. we're gonna give you this because we can't set you free, right? Because l- literally, you can't be in a cell because you're free, and so oh my so gosh, here's your here's your trailer. After so after this, so he had his year probation, where he was again a model prisoner, right under the scrutiny of the prison trailer that he was. I mean, like, what's he gonna do, right? He goes back to his hometown of Tampa, Florida, which we will see in part two. Tampa's not so happy to have him back either, but he really had no choice but to, you know, tuck his tail between his legs and go back. So did he have to live in the trailer for a certain amount of time, and then they were like, okay, now you can Yeah, it was for his whole probation, his one-year probation. Okay, He had to live there. Mm -hmm. So that's why he couldn't go to Tampa yet, because he was still on probation, so he couldn't leave the state. Can we back up for a second? We can. Did you say one year probation? One year. A year. Pardon me. I'm leaving. I know. Um, I can't. <laughs> right. I can't. It's like, fuck you, California, and all your stupid laws. They've, they have since rectified themselves. I'm going to try back to keep in the that 80s, in mind. Back in the 80s, we're not so happy about the way California yeah. handled some things. Oh, my god. Probably not just have, California either. But. I have to remember that we're back in, yes. you know, another time. This is time. when we were infants. Yes. We yep. were little babies. We were. Yep. So I have to remember that, that this was a different time. Things hadn't changed yet, yep. but I just cannot believe. I know. In a turn of events that shocks no one, if you know anything about abusers, Larry attempted to sue Mary for forcible kidnapping for the purposes of robbery. You know, yes, that question about does he ever show remorse? Oh, no, no. Not only does he not show remorse, but then he gets the balls to just be like, you know what? I'm so innocent that I'm going to turn around and I'm going to sue you for robbery. I'm sorry, Larry. Do you remember robbing her of her arms? You remember that little gruesome detail? It's like he really has created this scenario that he truly is the the victim and mm-hmm. almost believes, he in believes himself. that. And that is really what Amanda Spake was writing about in her article where she's like, listen, I knew that I was in for a certain type of interview with this dude. But what really surprised me is the way that he truly believes his own lies. And that is scary dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Because they still released him, regardless of what the psychiatric reports said. Yup, he is is paranoid, schizophrenic, and very capable of angry and abusive outbursts on people weaker than he is. Mm-hmm. It's fine. This is probably fine. He's been Let's good. let him we'll, go. We'll give it a whirl. Cool, cool. Luckily, you guys, 
He did not get away with the lawsuit. The courts threw it out right away. And Thank God, because I couldn't take I any more. <laughs> if she had to go, if poor Mary had to go, no, to court and face yes, him again. this mm-hmm. man is suing her. Yeah, I mm-hmm. couldn't handle that. So No, but you know what she did do? She did manage to win a $2.56 million civil suit against him. Oh. So, badass bitch does it again, and she wins this suit, her and her lawyers do, but I was gonna say you looked like you had a butt. Yeah, coming. A, I got a big so butt, Amber. <laughs> I I sensed a butt coming, mm-hmm. so I I was There's, I wanted to be happy for her, but I was but don't be. I no. was sensing there was more. Damn it, there is because they couldn't get any money. You know what's the old saying? Can't get blood out of a turnip, whatever. Oh. You can't get money out of a shit stain. Yeah. So nope. You can't she, polish a turd. I don't yes. know if that's <laughs> relevant, but it seems fitting. I, I um, don't know either, but I want to be able to use that as much as like I can. It seems like we should just say it. Right, so. right. So, oh, poor Mary. So she can't even get no, the money so she, she gets deserves. Nothing. So she gets nothing. Although, I'm going to question his money here in part two. You'll you'll hear that. This We're going to leave. woman. This poor girl. For sure. She was just a girl when this happened. Absolutely. And here she is. She's got this money coming to her and, it, and he never pays. And this is when he flees to Tampa. So we're going to leave Douchebag right there in Tampa. Okay. And I'll tell you a little bit about where Mary, like Mary now, what happened with Mary. And then we'll close out and part two will pick up with him in Tampa. Yes. Okay. With Lawrence Bernard Singleton, a.k.a. Larry, a.k.a. Bill, a.k.a. scum of the fucking universe in Tampa where he shockingly reoffends. I don't... Spoiler alert. Stop. No. I don't... I know. He's, and I don't mean to make a joke of it, but come on. Right. But this is kind of ridiculously laughable. Come on. Poor Mary struggled a lot throughout her life. She told the LA Times that she could have been a lead, a lead dancer. Like, she was on track to be a lead dancer at the um, Lido de Paris in Las Vegas, Hawaii, in Australia. She said, quote, I, I'm serious. I was really good on my feet, and my dance instructor had it all worked out. But when this happened, they had to take some parts out of my leg just to save my right arm. After that, I wasn't able to dance anymore, end quote. That's heartbreaking. So he stole her dreams, yes. too. I looked up what the Lido de Paris was, and it's like a burlesque show, which I would love to know, like, that she could have went on and done that. It looked badass. Yeah. So, uh, What a dream to have, and that's, it makes me so Right, sad and, to, and have it be attainable. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just a dream, but, like, her dance instructor was like, girl, we can do this for yeah. you, you know? The weak sentence left her with a feeling of constant terror that her attacker would make good on his claims to finish the job. According to a really good article by Laura Allen with Ranker.com, Mary and his parent and her parents still did not have a good relationship, and she struggled with relationships in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mary attended a specialized school for the handicapped and struggled with feelings of depression, paranoia, and isolation. She moved away when she graduated, and she tried to keep her life and location a secret. For good reason. I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She lived in fear for years. At one point, she even lived in an abandoned gas station. She did marry and have two children. The first marriage uh, did end in divorce. Uh, from what I understand, it was shortly after Singleton was released. She, you know, really started to get more paranoid. Oh, absolutely. And it, it damaged her, her relationships. However, today, Mary is an artist. That's yes. amazing. And she often manipulates her prosthetics her prosthetic arms to meet her needs by fashioning what she needs out of old refrigeration parts. 
I love like, that. She, why so is like this she, woman president? Absolutely. <laughs> what the hell? So yeah. she just like takes parts that she needs, mm-hmm. yep. and she's like, okay, fixes I can up use her it. own prosthetics. That's, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that's amazing. She said in the LA Times article that being an artist was not something that she had. She couldn't draw at all before this happened to her. This experience brought that out in her, which I think is something beautiful that could come out of something so ugly. I'm actually curious to see, is there anything that she's done? I'm curious to see work that she's done. I'm not sure. I tried to find it, but she's such a heavily private person. Oh, and I can see. Uh, Yes. She's only done, like, now, she's a public speaker now that we'll get to in a minute. In Throughout all this, when Singleton was still alive, because you are, you will be happy to hear that he is dead now, guys. We'll get to it. Thank God. Um, so, before that, though, she lived a very secret life. She still does. She's making the best of her life now. That makes me really happy. Now, she's actually remarried, so she's on her, uh, she remarried from her divorce, And she's a public speaker about being a survivor, which was something that her current husband encouraged her to do, which I thought was really awesome. When Mary first tried to tell her story, like for the first time, it was about a decade after it happened, she was in a school and one student shouted, quote, you deserved to get your hands cut off, end quote. (sighs) Excuse me, bitch, what? First of all, I want to know what the principal did to that little asshole. Um, that would like, be a free oh, throat chop to that kid. Absolutely. That kid deserves a throat chop for that. that. What a little asshole. Was it a... Fucking punk. I don't know if it was a female. I am a calling female. a kid an asshole. That is deserved. It is deserved. No, for sure. No, I'm, I'm, I think we are all with you when we say that is unacceptable. How embarrassing. Like, I don't know. I couldn't find if it was a boy or a girl. I don't know. I'm, I was assuming that it's a boy. Doesn't mean that it was. It might have been a girl. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's highly unacceptable. Oh but I gosh. can see why she was scared to tell her story after that. Oh, absolutely. And she, she didn't. For another two decades. Yeah. Oh, Mary. I know. Two decades later, she decides, okay, with the, you know, the help of her husband, okay, I'm gonna do this again. And an article in the LA Times said that on July 26th, 1999, she told her story publicly for the first time at the Port Huneme Community Center. Sorry, guys, if I butchered that. I forgot to Google translate it before I wrote this episode. It's a beautiful word that I know I'm butchering. I mean, I don't know it either, so it sounds... To me, like you nailed it, so yeah, I'll just support I bet you. I, I bet I did. I appreciate that. But if you have comments about it, please be kind. I'm human too. When she gave her first speech, she was giving it in her new role as a victim's right advocate and chairwoman of the Foundation for Victims of Abuse. I love it. I know. Also, the outrage that resulted from his light prison sentence led to the Singleton Bill, which stops the early release of perpetuator perpetuators. Literally, that's actually what it says in my notes. Perpetrators. Autocorrect's so really going to get me. They're so Sometimes close. autocorrect is going to fuck me up Absolutely. and I'm going to sound like an idiot. But Can I say that I hate that the bill's named after him? I was going to say I that really too. Don't like that. Why can it not be the Vincent it be, bill? Yes, it should be her bill. Why is it the Singleton bill? Like this changed because of her. Yeah, and exactly. And what she, yes. His name, that pisses uh, me off. Right, or call it the shit stain bill. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't care, but don't use his that real name. That would sound really good in court. Under, <laughs> really, under I'm the sorry. shit stain bill. Objection, your, under, your honor. <laughs> under the, 
<laughs> the shit stain bill clearly states. Right. Yeah. Yes. Wait, motion to get it changed to shit stain bill. <laughs> I second that motion. Thank you. Thank you. But seriously, though, that's not okay. I hate that it's named mm-hmm. after him. I, I but was I'm happy there is too. a bill. Me too. But that's exactly, we're on such the same page. That's exactly what I was going to say. It, d- it does stop the early release of perpetrators who commit a crime involving torture. Vincent was a strong supporter of this bill, obviously, and its minimum sentence now carries a 25-year without the possibility of early release, and the maximum maximum is life. Amen. So Thank you. I'm assuming for her situation, nine times out of ten, they would get the maximum and be in prison. I would think so, the brutality of what... In this day and age. Because they're just saying, you know, a crime involving torture, minimum is 25, maximum is life now. Whereas before, the maximum was 14. And it just kills me that he didn't even serve the maximum. Uh Like, you should never... The early release thing... Oh, it should be an option. I just can't get over it. I know, I know. Sorry that we're stuck on that, but it's heart-wrenching. There has been some light that's come out of this Mm -hmm. darkness a bit for that. My next episode is going to be part two, like I said earlier, on Lawrence the Shitstained Singleton, because we'll see exactly why it's not a good idea to release a heinous and dangerous individual back into society when they are so clearly capable of committing such violent and sexually devious acts. So stay tuned for that. But right now, it is time for our quick brain bath. We never want to leave you guys feeling depressed or mad at humanity for the heavy content that we cover. So to lighten the mood before you go, we are going to to turn to floridamantimes.com. I figured since we're leaving Shitstain in Florida, it would be relevant to do a brain bath about Florida Man. And who doesn't love a good floridaman.com story, Absolutely. right? Because there are funny crimes, there too. Are, there are. And this one, this one is. No one dies, and it really is funny. What I did is I went to floridamantimes.com, and I knew that we would be recording this on January 23rd. So I was like, Florida man arrested on this date, mm-hmm. right? And this is what I came up with. Apparently on this day, just in 2020, a Florida man was arrested for a hit and run, not a person, he hit a carport. <laughs> okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he was being arrested, he told police to Google him because he is actually the Florida man who once saved a woman while wearing an Easter Bunny costume. <laughs> an Easter Bunny costume. So was it like a... Wait a second, guys. Like, don't arrest me. Google me real I quick. I saved someone. I, you've got the wrong person. I am the famous Google guy who there's a video of me saving a woman in a bunny costume. Sure as shit, he really is the man who fought another man in downtown Orlando in a giant pink ass bunny costume. Pink. I just love that it's even like even better because it is a huge pink bunny costume, and he's just beating the shit out of some dude for this yes, woman. Not all all he, heroes wear capes. Exactly. Some of them wear bunny, bunny costumes. ears. Yes, <laughs> and a fluffy tail. I would love yep. to be driving by. And see this? The video kind of looks like that's what was happening, was that it was just a bystander. And I I think the woman was being robbed, and he saw it, so he was like... like, hell no. Yeah, absolutely. Peter Rabbit to the rescue. Can you imagine having your small children in the car, like, driving by, and it's like... (laughs) The Easter Bunny! The Easter Bunny is beating a guy up! I know, for sure. Explain that one away. Right, right. Right there. Now is the time to have us talk about the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. 
Yes. That's incredible, though. I so, admire the effort to get out of the Absolutely. You know, He's like, jail. you know, I can't go to jail. I'm the famous Easter Bunny. Yeah, I'm a good guy. Right. So, and I found this funny. The article said that a neighbor watched the man drive his motorcycle into the carport and then limp away. Was he limping or hopping, Amber? <laughs> I wanted it. That is the question. Was he limping or Unsolved hopping? Unsolved mystery right. in this case. Because at this time, the bystander had no idea that he was actually watching the famous bunny man, so he may have mistook his hopping for limping. Absolutely. I think he was hopping. Also, he left a shoe at the scene. <laughs> I have he questions. really might. I do. Yeah, I have questions. There's some lingering questions, but he might have actually <laughs> been hopping to stay off from the barefoot. I don't know. Or poor guy probably cut his foot, and I'm making fun of him, but still. <laughs> the carport actually ended up collapsing on the homeowner's truck and causing a lot of damage. So Antonio McDonald was charged with hit and run, and he was driving without a license. He tried so hard. He does. But just yes. to be able to say, no, no, wait. You got the wrong guy. Yes. I'm the famous Google bunny guy. Google me. That's cool. I respect his attempt yes. to get out yep. of it. I yep. do. It didn't work. He still had to serve some time, I think, or pay fines. I It wasn't clear. So that was pretty funny. I'm wondering if our Easter bunny was under the influence of something at the time. Just wondering... But there may have been some jelly beans. Some substances involved. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> some some think... jelly beans were involved. Or those those Cadbury Easter eggs that are filled One too with many things. Of those. Yeah, yeah, those will really fuck you up if you're not careful. <laughs> I'm glad we could end on this note. Yep. It made me feel better. Yes, yes. I want to know. Did the police officers, like, Google it? Did I, they do it? I, I, I what do you think? I'm going to, so I would like to think they probably were like, you know what? We're not going to, you know... Let you go. I'm going to see if he's telling right. the truth later. Like when the paperwork was all filed, they're like, all right, get out your, Let's, your yeah. phone. Let's see if this Let's guy's Google talking this about guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. I know I would if I was, you know. Absolutely. Now I want you to Google it so that you can see Literally it. Literally it really was it. funny. So... <laughs> All of y'all, you can do that as well. Make sure that you give us a like and a nice review. If there's something you don't like, that's fine. You can email us at crimecurious at gmail.com. Be nice, though, because we're humans, too. I like a sandwich. Like, give me a compliment, criticism, and then finish with a compliment. There you go. Yeah, I like that, too. That's my request. Also, if you like us, you're welcome to email us um, case suggestions as well. We'll get to them. Follow us on Facebook. We're Crime Curious. Follow us on Instagram, Crime Curious. I think it's crime.curious on Instagram, actually. We don't have a Twitter account yet, so stay tuned for that. But it is really important if you want to hear more cases, and we would love to give you more cases, that we get some good positive reviews so that that tells the algorithms, hey, we like these people and we want to listen to them more. All right, until next time, everyone, hang in there. Keep it beating. Bye, guys. Your heart. Keep your heart beating. That's what I meant. (laughs) Awesome. See you guys later.